Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, um, that you are with us this morning. And Lord, it may be black outside, but we believe the sunshine of your love is right here with us uh, in each of our homes. And Lord, we do, we just want to come uh, as a united group, Lord, with one heart, Lord, different locations, but one heart, Lord, just seeking you, uh, seeking to know you better. Uh, and we just ask, Holy Spirit, you're the master teacher. We just pray that you would take these words and that you would speak them into our hearts uh, and the applications, Lord, that we need to apply in our lives. So uh, just speak to us, Lord. Uh, we give you an open heart an open mind, and we just thank you, Lord, for each one that's on the screen, and it's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, folks, we are in Leviticus chapter 12. Not a long chapter. It's about, uh, all together, let's see, basically eight verses, and uh, I'm going to go through those eight verses, then I got a surprise for you at the end. So it says here, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel saying, when a woman gives birth and bears a male and child, then she shall be unclean for seven days. As of the days of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 33 days. She shall not touch any consecrated thing, nor enter the sanctuary until the days of her purification are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks, as in her menstruation, and she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 66 days. When the days for her purification are completed, for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. And she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, whether a male or a female. But if she cannot afford a lamb, that she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. Okay, uh, Leviticus 12. Well, what we've been seeing, I believe, <clears throat> in the book of Leviticus is that we worship a holy God, totally pure totally perfect in his own nature and character. And because God's holy, he calls his people Israel to be holy as well. He wants them to live in a very pure and sanctified state. And if you look at the book of Leviticus, 
uh, in chapters 11 to 15. So the chapter before and a couple chapters after where we are today, you're going to see that God, because he's holy, asked the people to live a pure lifestyle. Uh, and yesterday you saw that he talked about being pure in the way they ate. What we're doing with today, uh, purity in childbirth. And then chapters 13 and 14, purity in regards to how do you deal with leprosy. And then 15, purity in regards to discharges from the body. So today we're going to zero in very specifically <clears throat> on uh, chapter 12 and childbirth. I want to kind of go through um, the kind of the basics of that and then give, <clears throat> excuse me, some details uh, about how to kind of unpack what this is about. So if you look at 12.1, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel. When a woman gives birth and bears a man child, then she shall be unclean for seven days. As in the days of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. So uh, first thing, when you look at the idea of the uh, being unclean for menstruation, uh, that's actually found. Uh, in Leviticus, just so you know a little bit of background on that, uh, Leviticus chapter 15 and verse 19 to 22. So let me just read that little chunk so you got the, the context here. Leviticus 15, 19, when a woman has a discharge, if her discharge is in her body is blood, she shall continue in her menstrual impurity for seven days. And whoever touches her, shall be unclean until evening. Everything also on which she lies during her menstrual impurity shall be unclean. Everything on which she sits shall be unclean. Anyone who touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Whoever touches anything on which she sits shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. So that kind of is the, the law you're going to see coming up in regards to the situation being unclean for the menstruation. But then it says here on three, and on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. <clears throat> so I think we need to realize God gave this as a very special sign to the people of Israel. In the New Testament, we have the sign of baptism, but for a Jew, the sign was circumcision. And just again, to give you a little history on that, if you go to Genesis 17 and verse 10, let me just give you how that came into being. Uh, 17, 10, it says this, God is saying, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh and your foreskin. It shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Every male among you, here it is, who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generation. A servant who is born in the house or who is bought with money for a foreigner who is not of your descendants. A servant who is born in your house or who is born bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Thus you shall be your covenant in the flesh for an everlasting covenant. So God says this is important. I want you to see. <clears throat> that this actually played out in the New Testament. Uh, when you look in the New Testament, 
uh, in Luke chapter one, uh, you'll find uh, that John the Baptist was circumcised. Uh, Luke one, and if you look at verse 59, it says this, and it came about that on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, that's John the Baptist. And they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. So John the Baptist had to basically come into the world with his Old Testament way back there that still had force. And then not only was John the Baptist circumcised, uh, we're told that Jesus was too. Uh, if you look at uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 21, <clears throat> it says this, and when eight days were completed before Jesus' circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So I just want you to see some of these Old Testament practices weren't just for back there for the Jews, back, way back. These literally were lived out through century after century after century, and they were kept in detail. And we see that clearly in John the Baptist and in Jesus. Verse 4. Then she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 33 days. She shall not touch any consecrated thing, nor enter the sanctuary until the days of her purification are completed. So till this purification was completed, a lady was considered unclean. We're going to look in a minute, like, what's this all about? Okay, in just a little bit. But she could not really come into the sanctuary uh, till this whole purification thing took place. Uh, and then it took here, uh, verse five, but if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks as in her menstruation, and she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 66 days. I'll try to give a little bit of input on that in just a little bit. Six, and when the days for her purification are completed for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Now it's interesting, we go a little longer. Again, you're gonna see how this plays out in the New Testament. Seven, then she shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. She shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, whether a male or a female. Now get this, here we are, verse eight. But if she cannot afford a lamb, in other words, some people have more money than others, so if you're a very poor couple, this applies to you, eight. But if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. So I want you to see, we know something about Jesus from the sacrifice that was given for him, uh, for Mary to be purified. So if you look at Luke chapter 22, I'm sorry, Luke 2 and verse 22, it says this. And when the days for their purification, that's Mary and Joseph, okay, according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And here's what they did. They offered this. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. 
So they offered the poorest sacrifice that was allowed. They bring bring a whole lamb. So it, it indicates that Joseph and Mary were not very rich. They were very, very probably common, uh, very humble, and not making a lot of money. So we get a little peek about Jesus in the sense of the finance of the family through this sacrifice. Okay, now. Let's try to make some sense of this. You might be scratching your head like, what is this about? Uh, I remember in seminary when we started to dig through this, it was like, you scratch your head, like, what is going on here? Leviticus, folks, is a challenging book. Uh, I find it probably the most challenging book in the Old Testament and probably one of the most challenging books in the New is the book of Revelation. So it talks about being unclean. Let me be clear on two things. Number one, I think the Bible is very clear that when a child is born, it's a time of celebration. It's not a time of mourning. It's a time of celebration. Not only that, I think the other thing we need to see is that sexuality within marriage is a good thing. Sexuality within marriage is a good thing. We're not to go do things outside of marriage sexually, but within it, it's good. The uncleanness comes. Uh, basically, because through sexuality, through sex, the joining of a man and a woman, they bring a child into the world. But when they bring a child into the world, they're bringing a child that has a sin nature. In a sense, they're perpetuating the sin of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, everything went haywire on the inside, and this selfish, satanic kind of nature came into us that it's all about me. I think that's epitomized uh, with a two-year-old that's having a tamper. Uh, they're just, ah, you know, everything's about me. And sometimes even as adults, we can kind of get roped into that. It's all about me attitude. So the idea of a offering uh, for uncleanness, again, is not saying it's wrong to have a child or that sex is wrong. It's just saying that through sexuality, a child is brought into the world and conceived with a sinful nature. David kind of alludes a little bit to this. Uh, it says this uh, in Psalm 51.5. David said this, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And I think that's what he's saying. I don't think he's saying, um, you know, sexuality in itself is wrong, birth is wrong, but he's saying through sexuality, sinful nature is passed on to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. Now, you might be saying, well, what's the deal? Uh, if you bring a female child in, it seems the purification is literally double versus the male child. So what's that about? Uh, the best research I could see uh, is there's two possibilities there. Why is purification double for the woman versus the man, child that's born? Either A, Eve is the one that originally gave in to temptation from the devil. And because of that, the man fell. But in a sense, the whole thing started with the female. That's one issue that that might be. I think it's more likely that actually the woman brings the child into existence out of her womb. 
Uh, and because she's bringing a person into the world that has a sinful nature, that sinful nature needs to be dealt with. And it says basically here, two offerings need to be. One, sin offering, to deal with just that whole sin thing that's in us as human beings. And then a burnt offering, which is a dedication of our entire lives to the Lord and his service. So bottom line, what's, what's chapter 12 saying? I think it's this. God is holy. And we're going to see that right through the rest of the book of Leviticus. God is a holy God. Uh, and, and if there's anything that even hints of sin in any way, shape, or form, he has to deal with it. And here we're talking that because he's so holy, he's asking the people of Israel that even in this situation of childbirth, where a person's brought into the world with a sinful nature, even that needs to be dealt with. Now, uh, I began to scratch my head and say, like, what do I do with this? You know, where, where's the inspiration in this? Uh, and I thought, well, I'm going to kind of do something that is not directly in Leviticus 12, but I thought it would be uh, something that would be helpful to us. And if you look at Leviticus 15, and I know we're going to see that in detail in a little bit, but there's another issue of blood uh, that's not uh, dealing with childbirth. It's an issue of blood that comes from like an illness uh, that can be prolonged for a, a lady. And I thought, you know, uh, a story that has always intrigued me, uh, probably more than any healing story in the entire Bible that speaks to me, uh, is in the New Testament, the lady with the issue of blood. So the issue of blood in her case is not because of childbirth, but because of an illness. So I'd like us to look at that uh, today, because uh, I think it, it points to, if you're ill, how can you seek God's healing touch and power in your life? And hopefully this will give a little bit of inspiration uh, versus just what we just read here uh, in Leviticus 12. So this story uh, of the woman with the issue of blood is found in three places, Matthew chapter 9, uh, verse 20, Mark 5, verse 25, or Luke 8, 43. And I like this, if you can, uh, jump out of the Old Testament. I got to get a little bit of New Testament in here some way, shape, or form. If you look at uh, Mark chapter 5, I'd like us to look at that story. Uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 25 to 34. Uh, I want to read it through and then just give a little bit of an application. Uh, if you're ill today, how you might approach the Lord to get his healing touch. And if you're not ill today, you know, unfortunately, in this world, uh, we usually get ill at some point. So I think it would be applicable to us at any part of our journey. So uh, here we are, Mark 5, 25. It says, a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years. Okay. Um, it's been a long issue for this gal. And had endured much at the hands of many physicians. Had to spend all that she had. It was not help at all, but rather had grown worse. So this lady has a very tough issue, and she's done everything she knows how to do to correct it. She's gone to the doctor. Maybe we've been there, you know? You're ill. You prayed. Uh, you don't see a result. You've gone to a specialist. You've gone to doctors. Here, they're everywhere. I know folks today 
I know a good friend of mine who has Lyme's disease, who has gone every single place possible and has not got a resolution or healing. So here she is. I mean, this is a really desperate situation. Nothing's working for her. Verse 27, after hearing about Jesus, came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. I think it's really interesting hearing about Jesus. Somehow, word got to her. Some friend, or she maybe overheard it as uh, she was going about her life, must have heard something like this. Uh, it's interesting. If you go to Matthew, I'm just going to read this real quick. Matthew 14, 35, it says this. And here's, I think, what she probably heard. It says, when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent into all the surrounding district, and they brought to Jesus all who were sick. If you can ponder, all these people, here Jesus is there, and when they hear he's there, they gather the sick people, and they bring them to Jesus. And it's interesting, verse 36 on Matthew 14, and they began to entreat Jesus that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were cured. It's amazing. And they bring him to Jesus. If these sick people can touch Jesus, the power in Jesus flows into them. And I hear, I believe uh, truly that this lady heard a report of somebody, either A, had touched Jesus and was healed, or the person was saying, hey, did you know over there people were being healed? All they had to do was touch Jesus. Something went loose in her which gave her like the impetus, like, I gotta get to Jesus. So basically, uh, she said, 28, for she thought, if I just touch his garments, I'll get well. And immediately the flow of her blood was drying up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And immediately Jesus perceiving himself that power proceeded from him, had gone forth. It's amazing. Jesus is so in tune that when the Holy Spirit was loosed in him because this lady was behind him. He didn't even see what was happening, but he could intuitively sense that somebody touched him. Uh, and it says he knew power went out from him. And he said uh, to the crowd, who touched my garments? The disciples said to him, you see the multitude pressing in on you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this, but the woman fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So kind of looking at the story and unpacking it, uh, here's what I would come up with. And I share this with you again uh, in regards to if you're ill now or if you're going to be ill in the future. So. Again, this lady has been ill 12 years. That's a long, long time to be ill. Not a good picture. And again, as I said before, she, she's just getting no relief. And she goes to doctors. In those days, they didn't have all the sophistication of doctors today. They had very crude ways many times of treating people. Nothing is happening for this woman. Not at all. But I think the interesting thing is when she hears about Jesus, when the Holy Spirit quickens something, faith is born. 
somehow, some way, she hears a testimony. Our, folks, our testimonies make a difference. Somehow she hears a testimony. Either somebody else was healed when they touched Jesus, or she's just hearing the story that, hey, people out there, if they, if they just touch Jesus. And, and something, when she heard it, like God threw the switch, boom, and inside she had this amazing faith because listen to what she said. If I just touch his garments, I'll get well. She had the absolute assurance if she could get near enough to Jesus, if she could touch him, she knew that she knew that she knew deep down, I'm going to be healed. The Holy Spirit is so important in healing. Uh, he has to throw the switch and make this whole idea of healing get from the head and into the heart. When she had that faith, I don't think anything was going to stop her. If you can imagine, now, number one, you got to realize the Bible's very clear. She's unclean. She's not to be out there with the public. She's not to be rubbing shoulders with anybody. She's not supposed to go to the sanctuary. I mean, literally, she's supposed to be in seclusion. In a sense, she's a social outcast. She's almost banned to her own home because being unclean, you have to be separated from other people. So, I mean, she's so desperate that she's like, I don't care. Now, if people find out she's unclean, she could get in, get in trouble uh, with the synagogue at that point. You're not, you know, the rabbi could really land on her good. You're not doing that. And look what you've done. She doesn't care. She's got a word of God in her heart. If I just touch him, I'm going to be healed. Now, if you can imagine Jesus, there are crowds all over him talking about groupies. Uh, and celebrities, and you know, you, you see on TV that you know crowds are just like everybody's. If they can get to the the person, the person almost has to have a bodyguard, or they're going to be stampeded. Sometimes I think almost the disciples had to surround Jesus to a level to protect him from everybody that was trying to get a hold of him. We're told at one point um, that he had to go out on a boat and teach because the crowds were pressing in. So this lady is desperate. And I can picture her in the streets looking, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And she's trying to get, where is he? She finds out, oh, he's over there. Once she gets there, this gigantic crowd is probably around him. And I, I don't think she cares. She pushes. Maybe she crawls, whatever. She is going to get to Jesus some way, shape, or form. And she pushes and pushes and weasels her way in. No matter what, nothing is going to stop this lady. Because she knows if I just touch Jesus, it's going to be okay. I'll be well. So what does she do? <clears throat> she comes up behind him. She doesn't want to be uh, noticed by people because, again, she's unclean, shouldn't be doing it. She really doesn't want to be noticed by Jesus. Again, he's a good rabbi, and maybe he's going to ball her out. So she says, let me just kind of go behind him and if I touch him, even behind, it's good, which he does. Uh, but you can't fool Jesus because, as the Bible says, he knows when the power went out of him and she's healed. So, so here's what I get from the story. And I do not have healing fully understood at all. I've been searching this thing for 50 some years, and I surely don't have all the answers. But what I would say is a couple of things I've observed is if you are ill, get your eyes off of yourself. 
get your eyes off of your symptoms. That's only going to pull you down and deeper and deeper into you. Get your eyes off yourself and get your focus on Jesus alone. And for me, that probably would be almost picturing Jesus as he's displayed in the Bible, probably with a robe, whatever. Uh, he's at the right hand of God. But get your eyes focused on the Lord alone and come closer and closer, just like that woman. She pushed in, I want to get so close to you, Jesus, that I can touch your garments. So when you're ill, get your eyes off you, off your symptoms, and get your eyes totally on the Lord and seek to get as close as you can possibly get. Now, what I'm finding is that the closer I get to Jesus, what's in Jesus begins to rub off on me because of the proximity and because of the time spent in his presence. Jesus is a, an extremely peaceful person. If you look at the Bible, he walked through just calm, unhurried, unhassled. He was very, very peaceful. And I think as we draw close to Jesus, as we ponder who he is, that he's peaceful. And I look at him in that peace begins to rub off on me. I begin to experience his peace. Jesus is an extremely joyful person. And as I ponder him in his joy and get close to him, it's like his joy comes in the back door. Jesus is an extremely strong person. If you look at him in the Bible, he's extremely strong. He's powerful. And I might come to him in my weakness and my frailty. But if I keep looking at him, I see him as the powerful one. And we could do this in different areas. He's the loving Jesus. As we ponder his love and we draw closer and closer to him, it's almost like his, rub, his love begins to rub off and warm our hearts. And I would say as we go closer to Jesus and we see him as the healer, all through the Gospels, Jesus is portrayed as the healer. He heals lepers. He heals people that are blind, people that are deaf, uh, people that can't speak, uh, people that have limbs that are, are troubled, uh, even raising people from the dead. As I ponder Jesus, he is a healer par excellence. And I think as we keep drawing closer, we see Jesus as the healer, as the healer. I think coming in the back door can come healing. I think the problem is many times we, we go to God seeking a healing as if it's a thing. Uh, it's not a thing. Uh, it's the healer that touches us. If we seek healing, again, we're looking at ourselves again. What's happening in my body? Oh, am I getting well? Oh, did the symptoms disappear? Again, I think it's being focused on Jesus as the healer. And I would say even this, maybe coming to Jesus, not even as the healer, but just as your friend. Just, just to come to Jesus for Jesus' sake and just say, Lord, I want to be with you. I just want to hang out with you. I want to do that in my devotions. We're doing the devotions now, kind of getting the right step as we start the day. And a lot of people, we start the day with the devotions, and sometimes we end the day with devotions. But what a neat thing to have devotions all day long. 
to ponder that Jesus is with us all day long. He begins to be the familiar friend. It was interesting. Uh, this is just a side note. Uh, but I was pondering the Holy Spirit just yesterday. And I began to get an understanding. The Bible says he's the paraclete, one called alongside of us. And I began to get a picture of the secret service. If you notice in the Bible, not the Bible, on the news, the president is surrounded by secret service. I mean, they're there right protecting him. I'm, I mean, wherever the president goes, the secret service go. He can't get away from them. I mean, they're like glued to him. I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you know, I'm like the Secret Service. Wherever you go, I am. Uh, so for me personally, I'm just trying, this is brand new as of yesterday. I'm trying to just see the Holy Spirit, that he's right by my side, the Secret Service, in a good sense of the word, and that wherever I go, he's right here. And if I get in the car, he's going to be in the passenger seat. I'm walking. He's right side walking next to me. Uh, if I'm doing a soap. The Holy Spirit's right here. Um, and just to, that he would become even more real or Jesus would become more real <clears throat> than my circumstances or people. So whether it's the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, uh, it's all about walking with him all day long. It's starting the devotions to get your day on the right foot. It's ending on the right no note with him, but all day long, inter intercoursing with him, talking with him, listening to him telling them what's on your heart. It's building this love relationship all day long, day in, day out, day in, day out. And I think as we keep drawing closer to him, I'm getting more and more convinced that if I'm close, it's like everything else will come in the back door. If I'm close to the Lord, his peace will be on me. If I'm close to the Lord, his joy will rub off. If I'm close to the, wall, the Lord, when I'm weak, his strength will begin to flow into me. And could it well be <clears throat> that when I'm ill, that as I'm close and intimate with Jesus, that his healing that's within his being will rub off and make my body whole. Again, I don't have all the answers, but that story, I believe, of this lady with the issue of blood so speaks to me of how to be able to get close to Christ and to let his healing presence rub off on us. So I hope that adds a little inspiration. Uh, again, Leviticus 12 is just shouting at us, God is a holy God. So we have to need uh, the idea that we wanna live in a holy lifestyle, the best we know how. Let the Holy Spirit guide you folks today. May he guide me. <clears throat> May we listen to our conscience because he wants us to be holy and pure and the Holy Spirit through our conscience will show us when we're off course. When we're off course, we get back on course and say, Lord, I blew it. I sinned. I'm sorry. Thank you that you cleanse me by your blood. And we get back on our feet and we commune again in fellowship with the Lord. So let's pray. Father, the Bible is, is uh, sometimes challenging, Lord, to understand fully all that you're trying to communicate. I think that's why we don't pick it up the first time through when we read it, or maybe the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever. But Lord, every time we read your word, I believe there's a new layer of revelation that you want to give to us. Uh, so Lord, even this idea of the childbirth and the uncleanness and the sacrifices, uh, Lord, you're just saying uh, that you want to cover sin any way, shape, or form. 
And we thank you, Lord, you died for us uh, to make that possible, that we can live with forgiveness in our hearts and boldness to be able to approach your throne. And Father, even though this lady <clears throat> was experiencing uh, a real issue and uh, in Leviticus, uh, there was a way she was supposed to deal with it. Uh, Lord, when she heard you, something changed and that she wanted to pursue you irregardless of what the law said. So Lord, I wanna pray for anybody on the screen right here <clears throat> that may be suffering a, a physical illness, whatever it might be, Lord. Uh, we know there's a lot of this COVID stuff running around, respiratory things. Uh, so, Father, uh, we just draw close to Jesus right now. Lord, in prayer, we just seek you. Lord Jesus, we know you're at the right hand of the Father. With all power, all might, all compassion. And, Lord, we just seek your face. And, Lord, uh, as we seek you, Lord, if there's any here that needs your healing touch, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be released to touch them, even this very moment, Lord, that they could know healing and wholeness in their bodies. Uh, and Father, we just pray, uh, teach us more and more how to be able to receive your healing, your wholeness in our lives, whether it be spiritual, mental, emotional, or physical. So Lord, we thank you. We commit the day to you. Thank you for leading and guiding us. Holy Spirit, may you be like that secret service agent that you're with us. Wherever we go, we can't get away from you. You're there to protect, to guide, and to sustain us. And Father, we thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Have a great day. God bless.